listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Paul Moore here with Herman Eben. Paul, what's going on today? I tell you what, I'm a little bit preoccupied. Since the last time we were together, you had read an article from the Harvard Business Review blog. It was Michael Watkins' piece of May 22nd, 2010. It was all about the BP Gulf oil spill. And in that, he kind of alleged that we had two options regarding how we treated BP. We could either forgive BP or don't forgive them and punish them. That's right. And it started eating my lunch because I suddenly realized, is that how I think about forgiveness? And am I putting other things to forgiveness like punishment? We typically do those type of things. We typically tie everything back in some form to forgiveness, and you don't need to do it at all. So let's let's talk about this right after we pray. How about that? Uh, yes, sir, please. Lord, thank you so much again for these great tools that you've provided to us. The most important one being forgiveness, that you in your sovereignty have provided the avenue for us to be forgiven of our sins. And Lord, I pray we do the same for those around us in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Listen, maybe it would help if you don't mind. Could you read that article again? Sure. Michael Watkins, Harvard Business Review blog, May 26, 2010. Is the Gulf oil spill and other situations like it, an example of us not being forgiving enough or being too forgiving. There are two types of failures, the kind we forgive, call it type one, and the kind we punish, type two. In my view, we should emphatically not forgive people for being reckless, either in taking inappropriate risks or in failing to prevent foreseeable contingencies. The appropriate response to these sorts of failure is punishment commensurate with the crime. So, should we forgive the CEO of BP for what has happened and chalk it up to experience and the need to learn? Or should should he lose his job and be justifiably pilloried in the court of international public opinion? Now, that's so interesting to me because here a man is trying to say that forgiveness is somehow tied to punishment or whether we punish or not. He doesn't understand forgiveness at all. But I'm almost hearing that is punishment, and the real decision is there's consequence or there's not. And if there's not consequence, we're calling it forgiveness. And the more I thought about it, it started to eat my lunch because it sounded like a lie. No consequence is not forgiveness. It is not tied to anything related to pardoning or forgiveness. But then when I saw how he was talking about indemnification or retribution, right, making us whole or punishing them, Mm. how much further were we going? I started realizing I do this in my own life. Unfortunately, we often do tie things into punishment, excuse me, into forgiveness that have nothing to do with forgiveness. We tie reconciliation into it. We tie, I haven't haven't forgotten it, therefore I must have not forgiven. We tie this concept of getting back together beyond just reconciliation. So all sorts of things we tie into it, and it actually causes a problem for us because if we don't understand forgiveness stands on its own and tie something else into it, you probably will not forgive. So then how do I do this? Is it because I don't have a good definition of forgiveness? Is it that I don't know how to forgive? As we said last time, there's only two most important things to remember. You need to know the definition of forgiveness, and you need to know 
how did I, how do I know if I actually forgave? So I just want to be able to tell everyone, relax. You can go to our <laughs> website, grnumeral8relationships.com. Forgiveness is in Chapter 8. It's permeated elsewhere in the other chapters, but principally in Chapter 8. The two things that we need to remember are the definition of forgiveness. And forgiveness, the way we define it, is never abusing them for the wrong they did to you in thought, word, or actions. Now, just think about that. I have been treated improperly. And if I apply this definition, I'm never going to use that wrong that they did to me ever again. I'm never going to use it ever again. Not in my thoughts, not in my speech, and not in my actions. That is critical that we understand that is what forgiveness is all about. Okay, but there are consequences for an action. Example, BP left a mess, impacted all kinds of people's businesses, tourism, industries, etc. So forgiveness is consequence, right? No, it is not consequence. That's what's so interesting about this is to consider that forgiveness stands on its own. That means that if I had somebody, let's, get, let's make it really graphic, sorry. Let's say that somebody murders one of my children. Can I forgive them and somehow not allow them to be faced with the punishment of the crime that they did? The punishment that they will potentially face has nothing to do with my forgiveness. I don't have the authority to pardon them necessarily, but I do have the ability to forgive them and not let their problem, their harm to me, rule my life. That's what forgiveness is saying. I'm not going to let that harm that they did to me rule my life. I'm never going to abuse them for what they did to me. If we pay attention to Jeremiah 31, 34, God says he will not remember our sins anymore. Now, here's the, the illustration I want you to think about. If God is not remembering, that is not used in the way that we use the word remember. We use that as memory. God is saying, I'm not going to mark it against you. So, Let's say that somebody does some, something wrong to me. I have this weapon, this hammer that I can use against somebody to kind of beat them over the head. Let's say Louie does something wrong to me. I'm going to use this hammer to beat her over the head to remind her that she did that thing to me, right? That's that little hammer that I have. The Jeremiah 31:34 says God's example is what we need to use, which is I'm not going to pay attention to that anymore. So it's like taking this hammer and throwing it over my shoulder, and I'm saying, I'm not going to turn around and see where it falls because I'm never going to use it again. That is the definition that we're using for forgiveness because that's how God forgives us. Okay, but you don't want me to use something against someone. Okay, I get that. I get that forgiveness is separate from the consequence. In fact, I used to have a boss, compliance officer, way back when, had a sign in her office that said, forgiveness reestablishes relationship but does not absolve consequence. That's right. That's a great statement. How do I start separating the two of these? The simplicity is, it's a matter of choosing to understand what forgiveness is all about versus consequence. That's, that's the simplicity of it. It's not a matter of going through a bunch of steps to try to understand that consequence doesn't tie to forgiveness. You go look at a definition of a word, and the definition clearly states that it has nothing to do with consequence. It's simply me never using that against them again. That's the how that we do there. Okay, what about this Luke 17 scripture that I hear you always quote? Well, the Luke 17 that we're talking about says that forgiveness is, 
if, if you want to put it in, in very strong terms, forgiveness is our duty. It has nothing to do with needing more faith. It's simply what we are asked to do because God is saying that is what pleases him. He wants us to forgive because that is what God is asking of us. It's our duty, so to speak, to be a profitable servant in order to do what God wants. We simply do forgiveness. We practice forgiveness. So all this issue with forgiveness, in order to understand the how, you got to understand the definition. You can't do it without understanding the definition. If you don't understand the definition, you will tie other things into it. And that's, that's what gets us off in the wrong direction every time. Thank you, Herman. And I just need to remind everyone that this is not therapy by radio. We hear that often. One of the things we don't hear is that this is not relationship mm. by radio. We're having a conversation. We're asking you to join us and to be part of that conversation. Come to the website and do life with us. These are ways for us to communicate, but we are hoping that these are tools that will empower and equip you, all of us, that our relationships with one another ultimately glorify the Father. Our website, again, Great Relationships, that's grnumeralatelationships.com. Great Relationships, we're pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Great thoughts for great relationships. Loving yourself Respecting yourself never needs to be developed or encouraged. It's the same as selfishness. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Roll up your sleeves, put on your hard hat, and grab your toolbox. It's time for Christians to get to work in our culture. Let's think and act biblically with Worldview Academy's Bill Jack on simple tools for brain surgery. As a conductor on the Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman led over 300 slaves to freedom. And because of her bold escapades, a $40,000 reward was offered for the woman nicknamed Moses. Her trust in her creator was obvious. She once said, There are two things I have a right to, liberty and death. I will fight for my liberty as long as my strength lasts. And when the time comes for me to go, the Lord will let them take me. At age 93 on her deathbed, she led friends in singing spirituals and saying prayers. This conductor on the Freedom Express completely trusted the engineer of her train to glory. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, go to worldview.org. And we're back. GR8. Numeral 8 relationships.com, the website. Boy, that is a tongue twister. It is, isn't it? <laughs> I want to be able to say greatrelationships.com, but we've got that 8, you know? And no. I'm glad we've got it because it's where we put infinity on end, oh, seeking cool. God's best, right? Cool. GR yeah. infinity on end, GR numeral 8 relationships.com. And again, you know, I said it before the break, I want to say it again. This is not therapy by radio. Mm -hmm. And while this is a conversation and we want everyone to be a part of the conversation, it is not relationship by radio. Go to the website, get to the material, communicate with us, do the studies, and let's 
glorify God in how we learn to treat one another and reflect him. Amen to that. Okay, so before the break, you were talking about the Harvard Business Review article from back in 2010 with the BP oil spill. Right. And he was alluding that we had two choices, forgive or punish, and we were relating punishment to forgiveness. Now, I've got another case, and I said, wait a minute. I find when I think about it that I keep relating all kinds of things to forgiveness that don't belong there. Right. And you've helped me define what forgiveness is, never using the wrong that has been done against me in thought, word, or action. Right. Um, so I remember back in 2008, there was a guy named Grover Norwood. Got to be pretty good friends with him. They actually made a movie that's a documentary how another gentleman, Elise Parker, accidentally killed his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, name in the movie again was The Heart of Texas, and I really, really recommend it. It's just, it's humbling. I'm getting goosebumps now talking mm-hmm. about it. But mm-hmm. so Elise runs over Grover's daughter. She had run out into the road and he killed her and he never knew that he killed her. It was the mm-hmm. sheriff that found out. And not only did Grover forgive him, but appeared before the grand jury and asked that he be pardoned. Mm-hmm. So that takes me to the next thing. You just said before the break that forgiveness restores relationship but doesn't relieve consequence. So is forgiveness pardoning? If the grand jury had not pardoned him, did that mean Grover didn't forgive him? Good question, because too many people, again, tie something like that into forgiveness. They're assuming that if I don't have the ability to pardon them, let them off the hook, I haven't forgiven. Well, that's silliness. Forgiveness is freeing Grover from the harm that was done against him in the act that was done to the daughter. So literally Grover is going, I don't have the power to pardon, but I do have the power to forgive. Those two things are totally separate. They're totally separate. He couldn't pardon that person. The grand jury would have to do that or the court would have to do that. But he could forgive because forgiveness is not about the pardoning. It's about something totally separate. It's about him. But we tend to think it's all about us. In the movie, it goes on to show how not only Grover giving forgiveness enabled other people, Mm. both in the family, Mm -hmm. his wife, his son, the community, also to forgive this man. Right, right. Because here's the issue for us to pay attention to. Anytime we have forgiveness, we end up tending to think that forgiveness is about the other person. It's not. Forgiveness is not about the other person. Okay, wait a minute. I'm thinking like the Hatfields and McCoys here, you know, where grandchildren are still shooting at each other. That's exactly right. And that's what happens. We end up causing our whole family system to participate in the harm that somebody else did to us simply because we're not willing to forgive. All of us have someone who's near and dear and close to us who has violated a deep personal trust. And Luke 17 says, I have a duty to forgive them. Is that really true? You know, I'd, I'd love the word duty. I love the word obedience. Those are very key terms. But the difficulty whenever I know that I use them in my own life is it tends to remove the whole reality that I am free to not do that duty. I am free to not obey. Now, the reason why God is saying it is the concept of a duty or a command is because God is saying, I want you to experience my best. That's the reason why he's saying this. He's saying it to me, Herman, 
I forgave you, and I expect you to forgive others just like I forgave you. And if you don't do it that way, you will not enjoy life to the fullest. Everything that God has stated in his word, yes, the word command is used, but it's better understood because of the freedom that's built into us. It's an invitation to do life better. That's what God is doing for us. He is saying to me, Herman, do you want to be controlled by the harm that other people did to you? Do you want that thing to resonate in your mind such that it's controlling your life? Do you want that? Or do you want a life that's free of that? If you want a life that's free, then choose forgiveness to get over the past and trust that I'm going to deal in that issue. So all these people who were down in Texas where they had this story where Grover's daughter is killed or the Hatfields and McCoys, that's all in your face. Mm -hmm. And even if it's people that have violated a deep personal trust. Right. What if someone has violated a trust and they've now moved away? Mm-hmm. Do I still have this? I keep wanting to say duty or obligation because I'm understanding it's in my best interest to do this. But if they've moved, they're no longer in my face. It's not about living with one another in the same community. Do I still have to forgive them? Let's repeat this because I really want people to understand this. Forgiveness is not about the other person. Forgiveness is about freeing you from the wrong that person did to you. It's about you. Forgiveness is a freedom for you. So in the situation they moved away, is your mind still thinking about that? If your mind is still thinking about that, that means that you aren't free. I'm not prepared to forgive them. If you're not ready to forgive them, then enjoy the pain because you are going to be consumed by them. You're going to be controlled by them and you even may become like them. Those are some of the things that I'd love for you to go see on the website in chapter eight. Look for the benefits. We talked about that last time. Look for the benefits and notice the loss of freedom. Do I have the freedom not to forgive somebody? Oh, absolutely. You, you absolutely have the freedom to not forgive somebody. That's what the whole issue is. It's about choice. The issue for us to consider here is freedom is not about you having power over anybody. It's about God having power over you and you simply doing what God wants you to do. But wait a minute. How many times have I heard people say, I am just not ready to forgive them. And I know that that isn't really about the wound. It's about assent to power and control. Sure. That's a, and that's the point. When you follow that type of thinking, what you're basically saying is, I want them to control my life. I've given them rent-free space in my mind, and I'm going to keep that little house neatly painted and well-maintained so they can live in my mind forever. That's what you're saying. Okay, well, then you lead me to another conclusion, and is this right or wrong? You say all the time, where we look, we tend to go. Mm -hmm. So when I say, well, that crummy so-and-so, I don't ever want to be like them, and yet I become the mirror image of this person that has abused me, is that because I spent so much time looking at them that I become like them? I, I, I can't be absolutely certain on that, but that would play into it. It's hard to imagine it wouldn't play into it. If I'm constantly, if, if I want to remember something in a book, what do I do? I highlight it. I dog ear the page. See, that's what you're doing when you don't forgive. You're highlighting something. You're dog earing a page in your experience to say, I want to remember that so that I can be mad about it or 
want justice and I can't do anything about it. There's only one answer for all of this. Only one. This is what's so interesting about forgiveness. Satan wants us to believe there are multiple answers to wrongs that are done to you. Multiple answers to the way that you have developed into sinful habits and sinful nature. There isn't. There's only one. Forgiveness. You either forgive that person for the wrong they did to you, child abuse, molestation, sexual abuse, any of those type of things, you're either going to forgive them or you're going to let that situation control your life, control your mind, such that you may even become like them. Forgiveness is such a difficult thing. We find ourselves talking about it all the time. You can go to our website, grnumeral8greatrelationships.com, that little numeral 8 there. <laughs> And you can share an audio version of this program with someone you know or love, or maybe you just want to reflect on it again. We'll be back right after this. Great relationships. We're pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Great quotes for great relationships. The heart of a relationship is to know others for who they are and still accept value, and love them. R.C. Sproul. Great relationships. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. We're back. Great Relationships. That's GR8Relationships.com is the website. Or you can call us at 800 819 4293. I know everybody just managed to get a pen and write that down. Not talking about things I didn't write down was before the break, you said that forgiveness is not about the other person. It is definitely not about the other person. What we want to consider here is that I know that there's a lot of time that we're taking spending talking about forgiveness because I really do believe that most people do not understand forgiveness. In fact, here's, here's the primary reason that I am so interested in forgiveness. It is the thing that made the difference in Louie and I's relationship after 1991. It is the thing. That's what made the huge difference. That's the whole reason this whole this program even exists is because that's the starting point for us. Okay, but I've got this checklist mentality, and I know that in the last segment I learned that forgiveness is not punishment, it's not power, it's not about pardoning, and all these other things I try and link it to. And the truth is, I guess I really don't get forgiveness because I'm finding it easier to develop a checklist of what it's not mm -hmm. and not really mm -hmm. getting it. And you help me 
we defined it. So here's the real question. Where do I start? How do I begin? <laughs> well, with that question, you kind of forced me to go into the benefits. I've been saying you got to go to the website to see it. Okay, okay, Paul. I'll, uh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it right now. Let me. There is no way you're going to give me all the wealth of information <laughs> and teachings that are at the website well, right now. I, I appreciate you saying that, but let's mention this. Where do you start? I really do believe that one of the most important questions that people need to answer for themselves with any principle is the what I call and what marketing calls with them. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Well, that's the reason why I want to bring your attention to the benefits. The benefits of forgiveness is forgiveness first pleases God. We talked about that. That's the Luke 17 chapter. This is something that God really desires that we do. We've been forgiven, therefore we need to go forgive. It pleases God. Secondly, it's one of the few, if maybe the only thing that we can do to imitate God completely. He forgave, and he is asking us to forgive as he forgave. So it not only pleases God, but it imitates God. Thirdly, forgiveness pursues another person's best. Now, what's in it for me from that angle is... If you pursue another person's best, you're going to escape some serious consequences. If I pursue another person's best to give them the freedom to go on with life, and I am not going to be controlled by that anymore, I will escape some serious consequences. And the most important consequences, and this is where I'm going to leave you to go, go to the web, the most important consequences that you're going to escape is not being consumed with the offender, like we were just talking about before the break. You're going to not have this opportunity to become bitter because you're not thinking about them. You're thinking about God. You're thinking about other things. You're not going to be consumed by them anymore. Well, in this whole idea of not being consumed, you're not only not consumed by the offender, but you're not controlled by them. Here's a point that most people do not understand about bitterness, revenge, and all of these things that are the opposite of forgiveness. You are actually being controlled by somebody else. You're actually being controlled by the very person that you do not like or maybe even hate. In fact, I'm freely giving that control. You have built this little house in your mind, keep it well-maintained so that they can live there forever, and you therefore are being controlled by them. Well, it's time to tear that house down and do something, do something else with your life. Don't let that control you anymore. It's a choice that you have to make. So then doesn't it make sense if you're always telling me to spend time in the Word that we be conformed to His image, that if I'm doing spending time in this house that I keep with resentments, that I'm being conformed to that? You are being conformed to that. You are ending up allowing your life to be controlled and even conformed into something other than the image of God. When we take on this idea of allowing that thought to drive our lives, we therefore have a greater chance to become like them as we said. So let's, let's, let's bring this down to something very practical. And the very practical thing that we can do is the first step of the forgiveness steps. The very practical thing that you can do is start seeing them with new eyes. Face their humanity. That's what we mean by that very first step, to face their humanity. See them with new eyes. Let me, let me throw this quick example out. What if I went to a black tie affair in tennis clothes? What might the people say about me? 
we're all wearing formal attire and you're dressed for the gym. What, what, Get out of here. What a, what a dummy. What a du- I can't believe that you showed up at this event with those tennis clothes. So are they looking at me or are they looking at something other than me? Something other than They're that. looking at my clothes. See, that's what happens to us. When somebody has harmed us, we no longer see them as a human being anymore. We only see the offense that they did to us. We do that in so many of our conflicts. We strip away their humanity so that we can hate them. It's like Dr. Marlon Howe. One of my mentors said, a husband leaves his socks in the hall and the wife looks at him and goes, you're a socks in the hall type of guy. You know, takes one <laughs> event and turns it into the entire being. And that's what we do with the people. They harmed us in this one area, and we make their entire life about that one event. Yeah, but if you want me to restore their humanity, then I have to acknowledge that they're broken like me, and then that's I have right. to acknowledge I'm broken. The first and most practical thing that we can do, the simple step, start seeing them as broken like you are. And there are some great illustrations of that. Yahil Denur, go see it on the website. Herman, thank you, and bless God, that's it for this time. Join us again at Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Class, today we're going to discuss the two circles. Gag me with a spoon. The two circles again, as if... Would it make you happy if we talked about something else? Like, for sure... Ah, but you'll be unhappy if we do teach the two circles. Well, like, duh. I see. Class, can anyone tell Buffy what kind of lifestyle she's leading? Coindexter. That would be a slave or react and respond lifestyle. Whatever. What would it take for her to change? She can choose freedom by moving into the right circle. Gnarly. Join us for our next show, where Herman will invite you to choose freedom by entering the right circle and leading a choose and create lifestyle. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love.